Welcome back to STEM Talk with STEM Encounters, episode four. I'm the CEO and founder of STEM Encounters, as well as the host of STEM Talk with STEM Encounters, Safe Punjwani. And I'm Shazali. I am the CEO of STEM Encounters and the co-host of STEM Talk with STEM Encounters. So for new listeners, I encourage you to watch our other episodes. We have an interview. We have uh, topics that we talk about in material science and engineering, which is what the nonprofit and the pod, this podcast is centered on. So for any new listeners who just came and don't want to listen to the other podcast, but like want to listen to this one, what we do is we run a student-led nonprofit known as STEM Encounters, dedicated to teaching, encouraging, expanding STEM knowledge for everyone. And we specifically focus on material science and engineering, passionate of mine. We keep on researching it and promoting it overall. Yeah, if you want to find us anywhere, we're STEM Encounters everywhere. Instagram, STEM, STEM underscore Encounters. Our website, stemencounters.com. Email's currently being changed, but right now we are um, stemencounters at gmail.com. And so, yeah, everywhere you just want to find us, just look up STEM Encounters. That's where we are. Yeah, yeah. We have blog posts that we do almost daily. We've been doing it uh, daily so far, and it's very interesting topic. We do a lot of material science and engineering topics, what the nonprofit and podcast is based off of. We also do other topics that the some other people in the team are interested in and they want to uh, dive deeper into it and we actually integrate some of those topics with material science and engineering which is really really cool so if you have any questions about this podcast anything else anything for us leave in the comments and without further ado let's get into the material science and engineering okay so the first article we're going to go into today is called metallic nanocrystals low angle grain boundary for controllable plastic reversibility. Um, this article was, pu- was published a little over a week ago, um, June 18, 2020. So before we go into the specifics of this article, first I'm going to discuss kind of what nano devices are. So nano devices are enablers that allow us to use the ultimate technological capabilities of electronic, magnetic, mechanical, and even biological systems. Nanoscale materials are widely anticipated to, to be used as building blocks for advanced wearable devices and flexible electronics because they have unparalleled physical and mechanical properties. Um, experimental and theoretical studies over the past two, two decades have revealed um, a wealth of unique mechanical responses, such as size-dependent strengthening, superplasticity, and analysticity. However, much less research has gone into um, deformation reversibility in nano-sized materials, which is of significance to the functionality and reliability of integrated nanocomponents in flexible slash wearable devices. Oh. So kind of like the main problem that this article is discussing is how uh, is advanced nano devices, how they require reliable nanocomponents where structural damage shouldn't, shouldn't really be happening. However, a, pra- uh, a practical methodology to obtain this reliable nanocomponents still remains challenging for electricians and just people. So um, this article is kind of proposing um, a specific grain boundary engineering protocol. But before we go into that first, I'm gonna go into what brain, uh, grain boundary really is. So grain boundary is an interface between two grains or crystallites in a polycrystalline material. So grain boundaries, they're more like 2D def- in 2D defects in the crystal structure, and they tend to decrease the electrical and thermal conductivity of the material. It is shown that 
so basically what this article wants to do, what the authors of this article are doing is that they're designing low angle grain boundaries with controlled misorientation and it will allow metallic bicrystal endure the cyclic deformability, which I was discussing earlier in the problem. Okay. So what, the, what you, they're trying to do and what uh, I can get from it and uh, when I read it, what I'm trying to understand is that they use these uh, concepts. Uh, obviously, grain boundary is kind of like a negative thing on materials, right? They kind mm -hmm. of uh, hurt it overall, but they're harnessing uh, grain boundary in low angles in certain areas to control for controllable plastic reversibility. So just reusing these uh, materials for projects, uh, buildings, whatever the person wants to reuse it for. Is that kind of the gist from what I'm reading and what I'm kind of getting? Yeah, so the article um, mainly just goes a lot more deeper into the process in which they're trying to do this. Mm -hmm. But yeah, overall, that's just what they're trying to do. They're trying to harness this um, grain boundary and trying to use it in a specific way in order to make it beneficial not a defect that's what it's mainly used for and so uh a little uh snippet that i got from the publication was that this reversible deformation is retained in a broad class of face-centered cubic metals with low stacking fault energies when tuning the grain boundary structure external geometry and loading conditions over a wide range so i know it's kind of a lot of jargon for some of you listeners um, if you don't understand, I'll, I'll break it down. It just, if we look at it in the 3d world, the grain boundaries, cause we talked about the 2d world, but if we look at it in the 3d world, um, it has kind of a, a similar effect, but that these findings and these, this, um, research shed light on the practical advances in promoting cyclical deformability of metallic nanomaterials, which allows us to reuse and harness materials to the fullest in more projects and reuse it, uh, for different products, uh, materials, buildings, whatever it, it, the case may be. So this would just be better for the world, right, Chaz? In nanotechnology, reusing and harnessing materials. Yeah, um, it has so many different ap uh, applications, but the mm -hmm. one you're discussing in particular is I think is one of the main focuses, how, you're, how you'll be able to reuse many things. So yeah, I think it's important. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think that if we kind of go back into this article uh, and we look about this like grain, def uh, uh, grain boundary, uh, I think we talked about something kind of similar on the uh, couple episodes ago on laser radiance. If anyone uh, watched that podcast, laser radiance was just basically shooting lasers at ma certain materials and overloading with energy so that it could kind of smooth it out and make it uh, uniform. Uh, What's the isotropy, if you remember that word, which is just uniformity uh, on the material. And the energy you put on it, it would make the material strong. But if you put too much on it, it'd make it so lasered and so much energy blasted onto it, it'd be flimsy. So this is kind of like making it reusable um, and while still durable, reusable as well. So it's kind of similar concepts as laser radiance, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. It's as if how you have to put the perfect amount of energy into the laser radiance is as if you have to use the correct angle in this. Yeah. It's all, yeah. So it's just, it's similar concepts. It's just, it's just a little different. So yeah, they're very similar though. Yeah. So going on from this and we, if you use the same concepts, not only from laser radiance, uh, but this, uh, publication specifically in low angle grain boundary for plastic reversibility, let's focus on that plastic reversibility part with the concept that we just learned and stray, stray away from the metallic nanocrystals that we, 
uh, we're talking about um, that this concept applies to. Uh, I, was re- I was reading something else that said that uh, if we recycle plastics, the contamination in con- chemistry conspire to degrade the quality of each recycled uh, generation of plastic is hurtful. However, in a, if we had a perfect world, the polymers and uh, plastics convert its monomer building blocks and then make it uh, into new plastic over and over again, reusing it over and over again. So this is more of an environmental type of thing, but definitely material science that applies to environment, environment like ceramics, glass, all that stuff, metals, uh, but this specifically reusing the plastics to the fullest extent. What, what do you think this could mean? I think if we use plastics to the fullest extent, wouldn't it be a little too much? Would it be a little bit degrading? Yeah, probably because like, I know now in the world, um, especially it's being stressed to use less plastic, to use more reusable, renewable stuff. It's like such as like people throw stuff into the ocean, uh, plastic, stuff like that, and then animals could get hurt. I feel like if we, if this plastic could become reusable, I feel like it could be used as a good thing because mm-hmm. so then plastic won't have to just be thrown out every time it's used. Um, but why were you thinking it was a negative thing? I was just thinking that if we keep on reusing plastics over and over again, this like material composite over and over again, would it eventually become degraded or would this like concept apply to the, if we, if this concept could apply to plastics and would it become too much like a plastic, like say for example, we use a plastic bottle shots, it would only be able to withstand so much, right? It would uh, keep on reusing it over and over using these concepts. It wouldn't be like only so much that it would eventually become hurting plastic. It would contaminate the chemist, as I said, contaminate the chemistry of it. Wouldn't it be, have pollution and like uh, hurt the chemical composition? It would hurt anyone who would drink it, no? I think it's something that these like chemists and physicists need to look into definitely. We need to find like how it's safe to use and if it's safe to use, how many is it safe to use, let's say if we can reuse it. Mm -hmm. And just like overall, because I know like, um, like water bottles, I know a lot of people uh, think that water bottles aren't even safe to use even one time. So overall, just like seeing what physicists say about this certain uh, grain boundary and how they're going to use it. So yeah, I think it could be used for positive and negative. I think it's a little early to tell so far. We just have to see how they're using this information they're using it for. And remember, I was just saying a theoretical thing. This is I what we the publication we talked about was metallic nanocrystals with the low angle grain boundary to reuse it. But this theoretical, can we reuse it for certain things like plastics and polymers, uh, uh, ceramics, all th- those types of things? Uh, and you guys can think about it yourself like what else could they use this for there are yeah. so many different applications they can use for i know the article specifically it discussed like flexible devices and wearables that you can put on your wrist on your leg stuff like that so that it could be more functional and more like more reliable overall so yeah just you guys can think about it for yourself like what else could this be used for yeah that that's exactly what i'm thinking like what else could people understand from this understand from uh understand the concept and apply it to somewhere else um, if we go to other places, uh, could it be used in new technology, like even the Cybertruck and Tesla, the hard material, as you know, that uh, when Elon Musk threw the rock at the te- Tesla window, it broke, unfortunately, but could that be reused? Could those materials in the Tesla be reused over and over? Electric cars could be better. More, normal cars could be better. Cars could like, be less run down. As Shah said, wearable devices like smartwatches, iPhones all of the materials inside of it could be reused and it wouldn't necessarily have to be thrown away. Uh, that's just a theory of mine. I Yeah, definitely. And just like reuse more functional, more 
reliable just overall it just seems like it'd be a good thing we just have to see like where they go with it but overall this article i feel like it's very informative and very new and something that uh physicists and chemists need to look into more to see what applications they could be used for and again i encourage you to read the full article or the full publication shaz and i we uh read the abstract and we both did uh, read through the publication um but it was definitely a lot more concepts that they talked about yeah. Uh, Shaz knows it. He talked about the wearable things. We, we address the main concepts, but they do uh, include a lot of different other cool concepts. So I encourage everyone to read that um, as well. Yeah, it goes into a lot of the specifics on how they're how they figured out about the low angle and just how yeah. they're incorporating it. So yeah, it just goes into a lot of detail. So if you guys are interested in stuff like that or just want to get to know what this concept is more about, then definitely read the publication. Yeah, and one thing that. Uh, that it talked about that something that I wanted to bring up was, uh, Shaz, have you ever heard of like kind of, they talked about X-ray diffraction, um, which X-ray diffraction is something, uh, it's, if I look over here, it's based on constructive interference on monochromatic X-rays and crystalline samples. And these X-rays are generated by a cathode ray, um, filtered to produce monochromatic radiation, uh, collimated to concentrate and directed toward the sample, which would just kind of, uh, kind of edit the sample a little bit. So it would tell us uh, with that uh, information on structures, phases, preferred crystal orientation, textures. Uh, it wouldn't, sorry, my, my words on editing, it would give us information so that we can edit. Uh, a little extra mile there, but on structural parameters, a grain size, uh, as we talked about, a grain boundaries, grain size, crystallinity, crystal defects. Um, this publication talks about X-ray diffraction, and X-ray diffraction is a huge part of material science and engineering, something that's very interesting to read about, very interesting concept. Uh, yeah, I encourage everyone to read the publication. And yeah. So the next article we're, talking, we're, ta we're gonna be talking about here is magnetic field-assisted high-capacity durable lithium-ion battery using magnetic alpha-ion-3 oxide nanoparticle decorated expired drug-derived and doped carbon anode. So that is definitely a mouthful. And I will be going into kind of a little bit what that means and what all of those little portions are talking about. So the first thing I wanted to go over in this publication is this article discusses the synthesization of a novel ferromagnetic, which is high magnetization. So ferromagnetism is basically the basic mechanism by which certain materials such as iron Form permanent magnet, magnets or attracted to magnets. Um, and it uses that quality, it uses that property in the material by coating it. Uh, it's being it is coated on the alpha iron three oxide nanoparticles with N-doped carbon matrix. So that doping part, that doping carbon with heteroatoms, such as nitrogen, can change the carbon's properties. So for example, nitrogen, the N-doped, shows a high oxidization resistance capability and higher catalytic activity so it like it can go up like the enzymes um a catalyst as you know a catalyst enzyme kind of like starts it so uh going on in this publication it talks about how this alpha iron 3 oxide shows ferromagnetic property as we talked about due to the incorporation of oxygen defects in um the this material so when used the lithium ion battery anode the Iron 3 oxide shows higher capacity compared to the commercial iron, um, alpha iron 3 oxide due to the occurrence of intercalation and con conversion reaction. So basically what it's trying to say is that uh, 
because of certain things in the material or between the material and um, how the material is actually made in the, the battery specifically, it shows a higher capacity of the one that they're using better than the commercial one that they found online, uh, online or somewhere. Uh, as you know, lithium ion batteries are kind of like the batteries that most of us use. It's considered to be the most reliable battery because of the cathode and the anode thing uh, that create, um, allows the battery to have it. Uh, but th what they're saying is that the properties, the ferromagnetic properties actually increases. So the magnetization portion that we talked about, the magnetic field, that increases the performance of the lithium ion battery uh, using the magnetic, um, like the nanoparticles associated with it. I know this is a lot of conf uh, confusing. Do you, do you, what, what do you think, Shaz, so far that we're in this publication about how magnet, the magnetism actually increases the performance of the battery? So by using different things, it's kind of like basically like strengthening this lithium ion battery. And like lithium ion battery, it's kind of like our household battery, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what? Yeah, it's definitely considered the battery for what most people use and most people think it's the most effective. But So it's all about making it even more effective. And even and then using the the dope um, the end dope to make it like less uh, to have less pollution, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. So the pollution part, let's uh, get into that also. So uh, uh, what what the, the pollution what the pollution thing Shaz talked about is that the end dope dramatically it's the utilization of an expired drug that helps in dramatically reducing the pollution caused by the battery's disposal. So um, when the battery goes off and it's uh, thrown away, there is a lot of pollution because of it, right? It hurts the environment and everything like that. Um, but this actually reduces that effect. So increasing the performance of the battery, decreasing the pollution after it's gone, just makes it a better battery just for the environment and overall for the world. Yeah. Uh, if we go in a little bit more depth, so kind of summarizing the kind of the points I tried to hit. So the magnetic field improves the performance in the high capacity. That's what we talk about, that magnet, magnet portion in the durable lithium ion battery and uses the magnetic alpha iron three oxide nanoparticles. That also, that increases the performance. And the drug decreases the pollution after its um, disposal, causing it to be a great battery, a great efficient battery, right? So all these different things are come to, coming together and making it a great battery, but I would, if you're thinking about it, Shaz, won't you think this will be a lot of cost? Like if, if we think about the cost, won't you, this will be a lot. Lithium ion batteries are already a lot of money, right? So what do you think about that? I think that the lithium ion batteries that we have right now, they're great, but they're like what you're, what this article proposes is even greater. And definitely if it can increase, if it can just increase effectivity and make it less and make pollution, I think it's definitely worth if it's an extra few dollars, but like, what do you think? Do you think it'd just be like an extra few dollars or do you think, it, do you think it'd be like, what do you think the price? I think it'll be a lot more than a few dollars in my, cause it's a lot of people think uh, that the, like this magnetic field is ferromagnetic property. is kind of, um, it's in there, but it's also very hard to get that magnetic field as well. And then the endo specifically, that drug uh, type of thing that uh, changes the properties, uh, and causes the pollution to be less after the disposal probably would be very expensive in my, in my, in my thought process or my thinking, just because they're trying to reduce pollution and pollution obviously sucks, but a lot of people kind of don't care about that. And if unfortunately um, 
they just keep on uh, using if they price it so high then yeah. no one's going to try to get it i feel that thinking through this maybe do you think that maybe they'll do something where they have just the regular lithium-ion battery and then the lithium-ion battery with solution and then one with more productivity and then one with both combined? Do you think they might do something like that? I think right now it's more of more of like this research project. So it's not like one in one in one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if we keep on going on, um, it's not definitely not one in one in one. I don't think yet, but this research publication shows that it could be in the future. Do you kind of get it? Maybe if we go in the future and we see maybe if we can increase the performance, increase the pollution, that'd be great. But if all these are coming together and, and creating a great battery, I definitely think that there's going to be a lot of cost. I'm going to, I'm going to go into something that lithium ion batteries are not cheap. Yeah. They're using laptops, chargers and everything, but they are, are not cheap. And I don't think they're one in one in one, but I think in the future, if they are, that would be great, but I feel like the best case scenario for the future is if they just lower the cost and make this battery the battery they just push out. You know, using this type of battery, it's very, very, it'd be very good, it'd be very efficient, and it'd be cost effective. It'd definitely just be so much more beneficial for the world. Yeah. Because like batteries, like this battery in, speci- in like specifically, it's just so widely used. Like some <laughs> of the other stuff in this podcast, it's such new things, but this is already a battery that's so widely used in the world. So it's like, if, if they're able to incorporate this, I feel like it'd be super huge for the world and just overall pollution. And yeah, I just, I think it'd be great. So uh, a couple examples, I know we're all talking about, Shaz and I are talking about lithium ion batteries. So I'm gonna just say some devices that use lithium ion batteries. So say for example, um, like mobile, uh, mobile devices, laptops, other commonly household um, consumer goods, electric mobility, electric storage systems, uh, not electric, I apologize, energy storage systems. Um, they all use lithium ion batteries, hearing aids, laser pointers, remote car locks, calculators with uh, uh, battery backups in uh, computers, all use lithium. Lithium ion batteries are very, very, very critical in all our, in our daily lives, but they're very, very cost effective already. And adding all these things on is, um, in this publication is very good, but it can also be very bad with just the cost. I feel like right now, like I know myself, my laptop, like everything I have right now, I think it works fine, even though um, the battery could be even better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I want to like see like what it actually does. Like, yeah, I want to try it out, see what it. And I definitely think the pollution part is very important because, like, I feel like people, um, like they run through a lot of stuff. Like they can lose their car keys maybe, and then that just pollution towards the world and stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't. What do you think? I think that it's definitely good, but in its efficiency, but it's also kind of bad. I want to go into another thing. So, um, Shaz, I'm sure you saw the the blog post that we uh, posted about how sodium batteries are the batteries for the future, not lithium. Now, the reason we're saying that is like, while lithium batteries are good, they are probably batteries for the future. Uh, but lithium ion batteries have and have phenomenal performance. But a team, a researcher at Stanford University, found that a battery based on sodium have, may have more cost-effective storage. But because of the cost, based on the cost, how much a battery can hold. Um, as I just said, lithium is very expensive, but sodium could be very cost-effective, and it could be reliable and co- um, cost-efficient and overall efficient. So there's 
four things it's very good in. Not as good as lithium, but it's better in that it's another um, element, another source that we can get our energy from rather than just putting all our um, emphasis on lithium. So the sodium-based electrode has a positively charged ion, sodium, to joined to a negatively charged ion. In the Stanford battery specifically, a sodium ion binds to a compound known as myo-inositol. And the Stanford battery has a cathode makeup of, salt, of sodium salt, a pole of battery that stores electrons. In the battery, those electrons go towards the anode, which is made up of phosphorus. And if the cathode moves these electrons toward and backward the rest of the anode, the better battery works. So it's kind of like, um, I'm sure you know what anode and cathodes are um, in batteries, kind of like the, I would say the, I think in, to put in simpler terms, kind of like the loop, go back and forth. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's kind of like the better one wins here. Um, and sodium definitely with uh, more composition, like, uh, like as I said, with the, an uh, with the phosphorus in the anode, um, it could be better. Uh, not better than lithium, but better overall uh, and pushing it. So the sodium uh, ion battery is good. Uh, but it's nowhere near lithium, which is kind of unfortunate. I think, I think that it's more of personal preference than anything, wouldn't you say? Like, let's say willing to go cheaper for the less effective, even though it is still very effective, or would you rather go more expensive for the lithium ion, uh, the lithium iron one? So it's, I think... I don't know. What do you think? I think it's more like a personal preference thing. It is. It. I think it is a personal preference. They're still doing research on it, but so, and sodium ion batteries could definitely be the battery for the future. It is cost-effective. It is good. Um, it has, uh, Washington State University research says that the new sodium ion battery still retains over 80% charge. It's charged all day. It'll have 80%. which is not enough to make it to your smartphone yet, but it's a huge step forward for alternative battery technology. It is definitely a personal preference, but I think that the personal preference, we, I don't like that it is. I think we should get the best, we should all work together to get the best battery, the best materials, um, the best researchers to work on the best battery because in 12 years, we might, uh, the global warming thing might be so bad. Um, this is a different kind of issue, but the, we, the global warming, the energy, we need to have re uh, good energy and we need to use these batteries as best as we can. We need to have the best battery, the most cost-effective batteries. And... I think while sodium ion batteries could be a solution to that, I definitely want to see lithium being better. But there's also also a question of uh, the valuability of lithium. It's very, very not as common. It is common, but um, in terms, um, it is, I think, a little uh, less common than sodium. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think from all of this? Um, that yeah. I'm yeah, the main thing that I'm taking away is just, like, yeah, as you were saying, global warming is a huge pandemic that's going on right now. So I feel like definitely the pollution aspect of the iron battery is definitely more effective for now. Maybe mm -hmm. yeah, the, um, the sodium battery will be more useful in the future, maybe when they find more effective uses for it and they find a way yeah. for it to overall. But for now, I think, yeah, I agree with you. It's like the lithium, bat the lithium iron battery is the way to go. Yeah. Even though it's maybe just a little more, maybe if it is more expensive, I think it's, I think it's, that um, that the population just needs to take in order to yeah. make the world just a better place and for everything to just be a little bit more productive, right? I, 
I do hate that it is very costly and a lot of people are just shoving into it and making it better, but it is still very costly. And I wish, really wish it wasn't like that. I wish everyone had the best batteries and had the best materials to use. Uh, but sometimes I guess that's, that's not how materials work. It's not, it's not everywhere. As this world like moves towards like renewable energy, like many industries need like battery farms to store and provide electricity. Um, and Stanford researchers have developed a sodium-based battery that can store the same amount of energy as an untouched lithium battery at a substantially lower cost. Wow. So that may, means that lithium ion, untouched, it can store the same amount, which is pretty good. Yeah. Like if you get sodium ion battery, you're getting um, as, um, I guess in expression, you're getting your money's worth, uh, yeah. but you're not necessarily getting the best. And I feel like um, it's more cost effective. It is very good, but nothing will ever go up to the standards that lithium has set, the unbelievably high standards that lithium has set. So we dove into a lot of interesting publications and articles today. We talked about the metallic nanocrystals with low angle grain boundary for controllable plastic reversibility, how we can control like the angle, similar to the laser radiance we talked about, we can control the angle, we can make the material reusable, the metallic nanocrystal will be reusable and see if that this concept could be applied somewhere else. And then we went to a little bit more depth in depth into the uh, magnetic field assisted high capacity durable lithium ion battery using magnetic alpha iron three oxide nanoparticles, decorated drug derived and doped carbon anode. It's uh, obviously a lot of words, but basically that comes down to, um, it comes down to the idea that um, the magnetic makes it stronger, makes the battery better, the lithium ion battery better, but the endo part um, makes the pollution less after the battery has been disposed. So those are the kind of like the topics we talked about. Definitely very interesting topic. Shaz and I had a, a great time talking about it as we always do. They mean so much for the world where the batteries can go, how we can utilize materials so it's full of potential and durability in, um, in uh, uniformity and just and reusability. Definitely, definitely very interesting in material science and engineering today. We understand how like we went into a lot of stuff today, like a lot of different words, a lot of different new words that you guys probably have never heard of and concepts. So definitely if you don't understand anything, uh, you can read the publication, you can comment down below in the comment section or just let us know. Mm -hmm. You can contact us on our Instagram, stuff like that. So just let us know and then we'll just, um, we'll, we'll respond to you guys. Just let us know if you guys don't understand anything or if you want to go more deep, definitely check out the articles as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I encourage everyone as well as Shazas to, Communicate with us. I, also, we might be wrong. Sometimes we say facts that are, are uh, not incorrect or not correct. And if you hear something like that, talk with us, and then we can resolve it. And we could um, make sure everyone else knows that we uh, we said something possibly not correct or possibly uh, something fairly inaccurate, so that we could all get to the same page on material science and engineering. Yeah. So, um, so just before we wrap up the our podcast for today, um. Just again, as uh, just to recap, uh, we're STEM encounters everywhere. Mm -hmm. STEM underscore encounters is our Instagram, uh, STEM encounters at gmail.com, which is currently being changed. But and then on our website, STEM encounters.com, we're just trying to bring out as much STEM as we can to yeah. everyone and material science and engineering specifically. Uh, we're having a few online courses that are coming up. We have so many new blog posts and stuff like that. So definitely check us out. We're having a lot of new stuff. Yeah. And just, yeah. And we have so many new workshops and everything coming out too. And hopefully, uh, or not hopefully, we definitely have exciting things for the future that Shaz and I will uh, bring up later. So 
I hope everyone enjoyed this podcast uh, and we'll see you for the next one. Thank you.